Welcome to Season 2 of More Than a Sign. In Season 1, it was an interview format. We heard compelling stories of strength, courage, and humility. To keep things fresh, this year's format will focus less on interviews and more on how to succeed professionally and personally. I'd like to share a story about selling. We've all heard that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Well, here's one of my favorite examples why. In my 20s, I owned a high-end remodeling and home-building business with my brother Rob, and eventually we added another partner, Tony. One day, about six years after we established our business, we were approached by a man named Michael Cudahy. Michael was an incredibly successful businessman and philanthropist. His generosity was one of the driving forces behind projects like the Calatrava edition at the museum, Discovery World, the IMAX Theater at the Public Museum, and rescuing the Pabst and Riverside Theaters, just to mention a few of his endeavors. Michael wanted to interview us as he heard we were doing great things. He wanted us to build an identical replica of his house, which was approximately 7,000 square feet. It was actually his father's iconic home. It would be our biggest project ever. In today's dollars, probably a six to eight million dollar project. On a gloomy Saturday morning, he came to our little office. He arrived in a partially unbuttoned dress shirt and shorts. After a few pleasantries, he took great pleasure in grilling us for an hour. How do we manage our projects? What software did we use? How do we communicate with our clients? Who are our subcontractors? Who are our vendors? How do we deal with the unexpected? How are we insured? What were our fees? You get the idea. At the end of the hour, I was confident we had answered all the questions properly. Still, it felt like we were long shots for a project of this caliber, and we were exhausted from the interrogation. Michael hopped up and said, you guys are young, but I have a good feeling about you guys. He said, I'll call you in a few days after I think it over. You could tell he liked us, but he wasn't 100% sure. Before he even walked out of the door, we started praying that we would win the opportunity. While we enjoyed early success, this would surely put us on the map. As he departed, we didn't say a word. We huddled together and watched out the window. This 72-year-old man had a slight frame, but he was larger than life. He headed towards his sports car, and he too processed our conversation. Then he stopped dead in his tracks, turned around, and started to walk back towards us. We jumped back from the window and fumbled to look natural as he re-entered our office. Michael said, You built new homes and remodel, right? Yes, I said. He said, I'd like to see one of the houses you've built. No problem, Mike. When are you available? Well, I head out of town for a week, so let's do it now. Now? Yeah, he said, why not? I could see the color drain from my brother's and Tony's faces. Why? Well, we had remodeled more than a hundred homes, but we had only built one home. A modest home in Waukesha, about one-tenth of Michael's budget. I said to Michael, no problem. 
Rob and I are going to excuse ourselves and start calling our various clients to see who will let us in on such short notice. Why don't you give us five minutes? I obviously couldn't let on that we had only built one house, as Michael's project would be the most challenging, newsworthy, high-profile job anyone could wish for. As we stepped into the adjoining room, my partners said, what the hell are we going to do? We've only built one home, and if we show Michael that, there's no way he's going to hire us. I assured them I would think of something. I dialed the one client who we built a home for, and miraculously she answered. I explained who we were being interviewed by and what he wanted to see. She laughed and she said, anything for you guys. As we chatted, a light bulb went off. I said, we'll be there in 60 minutes. She said, great, I'll need all of that time to straighten up. And please don't open any closets or look under any beds. I laughed and hung up. Rob and Tony said, 60 minutes? The house is 30 minutes away. What are we going to do for the other half an hour? I said to them, just trust me, I have an idea. We returned to the conference room and found him sitting in a chair, arms crossed, legs fully extended, and deep in thought. We're in good luck, Michael. Two minutes later, we hopped in my car. Michael in the passenger seat, my partners in the back, and me behind the wheel. We were headed to Waukesha. As I passed the highway entrance ramp, I looked in the rearview mirror and I could see the uncomfortable look on my partner's faces. I had to stretch this ride out for a bit. After a minute or two, I looked at Michael and I said, Hey, can I ask you a favor? Puzzled, he said, Sure. For the last hour, we shared everything about our business. We have a bit of a drive. Can you tell us how you got started and what that journey was like? For the next hour, Michael shared one of the most incredible and improbable stories of success. It was chocked full of both obstacles and miracles. As told by Michael, he dropped out of school and struggled to find himself. He knew he'd be successful, but he didn't know how. He and his buddy Warren were in their 20s, and they were audiophiles, obsessed with the components and speakers that created the music they listened to. He said that they were tinkers who would take apart and reassemble stereophonic equipment in an attempt to learn about it and to ultimately improve it. He shared that there were no shortage of people questioning how he spent his time. One day, they got their hands on an abandoned EKG machine used to monitor one's heart activity. Back then, it was a hulking machine. They took it apart only to realize, as Michael said, it was junk inside. They pooled their $15,000 and spent the next few years creating their own machine. All the while, doubters laughed at them. They created a machine a fraction of the price of what existed on the market. They brought it to market, but nobody took them seriously. Doctors and hospital administrators wouldn't come from across the country to Milwaukee to see it. After nearly folding, he and Warren came up with a bold idea. They rented a jet and invited people to fly in on their jet. Private jets were a novelty back then. Suddenly, everyone wanted to come see the machine on the jet, and they were in business. They would grow it into a powerhouse, selling hundreds of millions of dollars of product each year with an international reputation. 
I'd actually been circling the Waukesha neighborhood until Michael's story of overcoming the odds wrapped up. I didn't want to arrive before he finished. Literally, as his story was ending, I rolled up to the ordinary home we spent an hour driving to. Michael looked at the home and said, Where the fuck are we? After a brief dramatic pause, I gathered my courage and I looked at Michael and I said, Michael, we are where you were in your 20s, young, hungry, and overcoming the odds. After another long pause, Michael looked at me, then turned around and looked at my partners. He had the biggest smile I've ever seen. He uttered a single word, sold. Interestingly, we didn't build him a new home to replicate his existing historic home. The home was too important. After all, his father was the ambassador to Ireland, and countless dignitaries and captains of industry had gathered there. He challenged us to take the home apart, piece by piece, into tens of thousands of pieces, catalog and store them, and over the course of two years reassemble the house piece by piece about ten miles away. My brother Rob ran the project, and in the course of two years, he didn't break or lose a single piece. Everything was completely replicated on the new site. When complete, the only difference was the view out of the windows. The project garnered national attention and opened the door to multiple eight-figure building projects over the subsequent years. So what are the lessons here? In almost every circumstance, we sell by listening and not by talking. It's impossible to talk people into working with you, but you can certainly talk them out of it. A good question is worth 10 good answers. And understand the moment. Michael was very proud of what he had become. In that driveway, I didn't sell who we were. I sold who we hoped to become. I'm Richard Rubin, and this is More Than a Sign. Thank you for spending time with me. Remember, we're all on the same team. If I can help you in any way, my email address is richard at thefrgteam.com. Special thanks to my son, Nate, who wrote and performs every instrument on the theme song and is taking time away from his successful music production business to engineer and produce this podcast. I love you, I'm proud of you, and I work every day to be more like you and your brother.